You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Kathleen Winter. Kat, thanks so much for talking with me today. Thank you, Brainerd. I'm glad to be with you. Kat, we're talking on October 5th in 2021. Um, you're in Glen Ellen, California, and you're going to read some of your writing, your, your poems, and I... I just want to ask a little bit about the past year and this kind of very unusual moment we're in and and how that has or hasn't affected your, your writing. Oh, I think it unfortunately has affected my writing uh, quite a bit. I didn't write much for the last couple of months, which is unusual for me, so I am definitely blaming that on the pandemic. And it's been uh, hard, I think, just to be home so much, although I am now teaching um, back in person at uh, Sonoma State University. So, you know, that's that's also an adjustment to be back in the classroom. Right. Yeah, it's suddenly a whole different, whole different place. Um, and and I know you're going to 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 read. Um, maybe we should just jump into the to the first poem and, and begin talking about your your writing. What is the the first poem you're going to read? I want to read a poem called Colorado Flats, and this is a poem from my third book, Transformer, which came out in 2020, and it came out right when the pandemic was coming out, and I. Uh, was looking forward to going to the National Writers Conference that a lot of creative writers go to uh, once a year that was going to be in my hometown, San Antonio, Texas. But um, but that did not happen for me. So, so it's great to get to read from this book because this book was definitely a pandemic book and kind of uh, went, I think, a little bit uh, under the radar, at least... Um, it seemed that way with so many of us who published in 2020. So Colorado Flats. Yesterday we passed a wolf who lives outside a rental in Glen Haven. Faded gray, lanky as a pole. Imagine a pack of him chasing you over snow. Broke folks sure keep tough animals. On the road to marble rock, invisible in sunset, sacrificed two tires. The guy who came for us in the wrecker brought a pit without a collar, laid his head in my lap as Travis drove us up and down the path, at speeds a rabid man would choose, too punk to hold what he has to lose. The lab rode the wrecker's bed in the trashed sedan, glaucous and confused his eyes on ours as we stepped away into the cab. We were scared to ask him to slow down, this blonde kid we were paying. You in the front seat, me in back, wondering if we'd make it till supper. It was the second Father's Day without our father. Changed by the diving sun, the air turned uncomfortable in color. Who knows what fatherlessness drove our driver. The universe has a horizon beyond which we cannot see. Thank you. Um, beautiful poem and, and uh, a great way to start this. Uh, so that was from the book Transformer, and is also based in, in, in where you live, which I don't know anything about that area, Glen Ellen, California, but I, I certainly didn't know what kind of animals were there or even, or even the, 
the the extent of poverty and and, and what's there. It's it's such a powerful line that I can't remember exactly, but that those who are poor keep these kind of animals. Um, is that what it's typically like around there? I, I imagine it's wine country and there's all this kind of wealth, or is it all mixed in? Yeah, so um, actually it's a persona poem, and it's set in Colorado. So um, it's, it's, I can see easily how the confusion comes in because I live in Glen Ellen, uh, California, and the poem is set in Glen Haven, Colorado. Oh. Um, but... Yeah, there's um, there is a mixture economically even in um, the wine country. Uh, there are a lot of uh, folks who work in the wine industry who are picking the grapes. So, um, you know, you've got a real mix of income levels in that industry. And uh, in Colorado, um, where this poem was written, I'm guessing the same thing is true. Hmm. And, and what you're experiencing, or part of what I experienced during that poem, you know, in some ways does relate for me to the to the pandemic. But this sense of the sense of fear, you know, and on one level of, of of a kind of pack of of wolves or, or wild animals, you know, that, that that could chase you, but also the sense of fear of of yeah, being being in a car and 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 your life is in someone's hand and not wanting to agitate them anymore that's uh yeah that's such a, a kind of difficult situation to be in that is is kind of what the pandemic felt like to me you know there was all this fear i'm in i'm in hands that i that i can't see and it and it's you know my, my life's at stake and somehow there's a I don't know whether faith is the right word or just or just the silence. This idea of like, don't talk to the driver, right? Don't say anything. <laughs> don't piss him off. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, there is an enormous sense of uncertainty and powerlessness. I think you're right. That comes from being in this pandemic situation, and it's um, it's just gone on so much longer than I think a lot of us thought initially. Mm, absolutely. Uh, so I'd love to hear another poem. What's the next one you're reading? So the next poem is, um, this is a poem that is, uh, it's, it's a, well, I don't know if I should talk much about it. Um, it's kind of another persona poem. I just have been writing those a lot, I guess. Um, in the past few years. So this is inspired by um, the British Museum, having been there and just, I'm a museum hound. I love going to museums. And um, so of course I've been very frustrated for the last year and a half. Um, But yeah, I had, I was, I loved the British Museum as a kid. I went there when I was about 12 and still my favorite museum. So a few years ago I got to go back for the first time in in what seemed like forever. So this is an hour before dust. You tried to suspend me in your pocket of time and space, but I was fugitive red, a pigment nearly visible amid glass glint, visitors shifting figures obscuring my designs. A drinking cup, a crater were my haunts, where you could almost find me, almost alone escaping my century. 
mesmeric debater, you wind your argument over my throat, the silk scarf. You claim there's no single satisfaction, only joint and several liability in this once and future colony of Athens, where cows are a pale, even gray, the plumbing risible. You dangle before me, late as it is in summer, an Etruscan earring, gold, complicated, winged, a millennial survivor, gift or bribe. In the Darwinian sense, rejection ever means extinction. When I struck a wine glass, a fugitive red stained the table, the tablecloth's chastity made ghostly, as a host of diners pretended not to see. Not to see. Why be excited? The violet before becoming dust is sensual, not sexual. Wind, sensual. Water flowing, always sexual. In a thousand years, you'll be making these declarations. Never of love. The smile on your long face, in this hour before dust, the last of its species. Thank you. Uh, you, you mentioned that this is also a persona poem, and, and as I understand that uh, persona poetry is is written from the perspective of a of a persona that that you create. Is, is that correct? Yeah, it could be someone um, created by the poet, or it could be just be someone that's definitively not the poet. So you could write, you know, in the persona of John Kennedy, or um, you know, Sigmund Freud, or <clears throat> Dorothea Tanning, you know, or you could write from a completely made-up fantastical persona, or you could you could write from uh, the persona of an animal or an object. It's it's really anything goes, except it's not you. <laughs> Right. And when you, you, you preface this by talking about your love for museums and the British Museum, and, um, and this is the, the persona here, which is, I mean, the reason I'm saying that, I, I might have thought of it a different way, but is, um, is, it, is an art object or a person from the past speaking to you? Uh, I mean, uh, like, a, like a painting or, or yeah, or it's it's fugitive red, which is a color that was used on some of the um, the pottery and art, you know, from ancient Greece. Um, it's it's a certain kind of paint, you know, that they that the curators and and experts call fugitive red, and I just love that that phrase. <laughs> so it's yeah, um, it's great. sort of yeah, fugitive red is is more or less the speaker. And then, um, and then the, also the character being spoken to is a lover or, you know, former lover of Fugitive Red. So those are sort of the characters that I'm imagining are, you know, conversing or, or inhabiting the poem. But, you know, I it's, love that. It's so, definitely... so, so that's, why, that's why they're ancient characters. That's what I was trying to understand. They're ancient characters because they... they they have an association with fugitive red. They've they've touched it. They've seen it. They they know of it. They've seen that color. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, fugitive red actually is the character, which is kind of odd. But but I like you know oddness <laughs> in poems. Mm -hmm. So fugitive red would be the character, the speaker, um, who, the eye of the poem. You know, who's narrating it, and. Um, yeah, and then maybe another artwork, you know, maybe an Etruscan earring or maybe some, some other sort of, you know, 
uh, artwork that has a long face <laughs> and is sort of withholding um, emotionally. <laughs> so yeah, that's so that's good. I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so glad you said that. I love that, and I love that way of of talking about a persona, uh, which is which is beautiful and so interesting. And of course. Yeah, everyone listening and myself are interested in art in museums, and I think there's something about that. Uh, uh, a work of art, an object kind of speaking to you, you know, from, from another world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've so, always been fascinated by archaeology and, and, and also visual art, not having any talent whatsoever as a visual artist, but I sure love to admire it, so... Yeah, well, you know, you don't have to have talent. This is necessarily, I don't know if you've read John Berger's uh, writing, but John Berger wrote a beautiful book uh, towards the end of his life called Confabulations. And what he did was he, he wrote books that a lot of art students have read on seeing, and he was an art historian, but also he always sketched. And he can't really sketch, right? He can't really draw. But when he's at a concert and you know, and he's looking at somebody, he draws the dancer as best he can. And then he reproduces it in the book, and it's nothing but squiggles because he can't really draw a dancer. <laughs> but he's saying it allows me to look at the dancer in another way, and it allows me to understand drawing in another way. Um, that which makes I think sense, is yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, I loved Ways of Seeing. Not the only John Booker um, book I've read, but it stuck with me. And... My husband likes to draw, and he says that it helps him remember what he's looking at more, you know, because if you're drawing, um, a lot of times that means you're putting some time into it, you know, you're you're sitting there with whatever you're drawing for a while. And yeah, so yeah, it's, you're it's, closer. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So you have one more poem you're going to read, right? I'd, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I'll read uh, the last poem in the book, and... So this is a poem that's a little bit closer to my personal um, brain, I suppose. And it's set on a um, farm in South Texas where I did a writer's residency for about four months. And I got to live out on this property all by myself um, during that time. And it was a big property. It was like 200 acres. And so it was just a real... Uh, treat to be on so, so much space, you know, by myself. So the poem is The Porch Roof's Sky Blue Ceiling. Looking to be moved, the gravel pathway vanished into moonlessness. Not before a black hose bisected it in the porch zone light. Fear of little breaches slice in the heel through which seeps the soul's red light. Fear of trivial experience waste of the unknown quantity of summer nights. Be moved by the porch roof's pale blue painted ceiling if you are an insect, dissuaded from staking your claim. Mud daubers stinglessly pass through the breached green door screen, searching for a ceiling, not a sky. I trapped myself in weariness, housing contingency in an anxious eye. Old as I am still dumb, why won't I say it? The key is hidden always someplace terribly obvious, under the only blooming thing on the front porch, inside an iron horse just right of the front door, this wink in the mind's smoky mirror, this love of the first person passing. 
Thank you so much. Um, I, I, I love that last line. What a, what a gorgeous way to end your book and also your readings here. Um, the idea of the first person passing is just um, is is kind of stunning somehow. You know, it's it's hard for me to articulate why, but uh, well, I guess it, I guess it's 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 obvious in a way, right? That's um, that's somehow a move away from ourselves, you know, either physically or or otherwise, and it's 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 one of our greatest fears in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a release too, right? It's it's a pleasure sometimes to get it away Absolutely. from the eye. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um and and as um as a poet, is that something you you often work on because you know, we've you've read two persona poems, right? And 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 so that's a kind of like through the the craft of what you're doing through the the style with which you're writing or adopting is seems like it's playing with that a lot. Yeah, I think um, I do really love writing in that mode for a few different reasons. For one thing, I I get easily bored, and I think I would be bored by myself if I wrote, you know, from my own perspective or psyche all the time. Especially if I want to keep writing, and I've I've published three books and. The first book had a lot of myself, my history, my past, you know, and I kind of felt like, okay, enough of that. And then the third book has, a, you know, a section that's fairly autobiographical too, but I think uh, writing persona, you know, shakes me out of that. And I just taught a, a class last weekend too on the persona poem for the Hudson Valley Writers Center. And so I think I've been just kind of steeped in persona poems too lately. <laughs> so um, I just probably have... Uh, right now quite a focus on the, on those because of thinking about that workshop and preparing for it. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I loved hearing you read. Um, thank you, Kat. And I want to ask you one more question, which is what are you reading at the moment? Or what is your dog reading was... at the moment? I hope that, that seems perfectly <laughs> timed. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. <laughs> oh, he is, um, he's, gosh... This is actually my dog's girlfriend um, who's speaking. But, yeah, um, I'm, re- I'm reading James Tate today, The Worshipful Company of Fletchers, which is a book from 1994 that I really love. And so I, I was in the mood to go back to him. And I, I worked one of his poems from the book into the workshop last weekend. So it just got me thinking, I've got to go back and just read that whole book again. And and then I have, you know, I don't uh, often necessarily read a whole collection in one go. I'll kind of read five or six poems and then shuffle. So I have, um, I have Kiki Petrosino's book, Him for the Black Terrific, which I'm really enjoying because of her sound quality. Like, she's just amazing with with using you know the texture and and the the sound of words which is something that i love in poetry it's probably the the value i get into the most as a poet and then um i'm going back to reread dean raider's book his self-portrait as a wikipedia entry which is just super fun book if if you haven't read it i i highly recommend that 
Ken, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I wish you well with your, your work, and thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's a pleasure, Brainerd. Thank you for your questions and for the invitation to be with you. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.